It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes practicing social distancing. But you don't have to feel trapped. You can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. Hello, friends. This is episode number 64 of the Right Away Podcast, and it is the 7th of October as we are recording. I'm JP Reinflush with my co-host, Chris Kane. Hello, Chris Kane. How has your week been? It's been, I'm like, oh, I didn't prepare for this. This has been another one of those times where I'm just like, I don't know what I did. But I had a, I had a work week, which is different than most of the summer. So that's been lovely. That's good. What does your work week look like? I basically made a giant list of all of the things that I'm excited about that kind of grew out of the author success, not the other, that grew out of the career author summit and things that I've been putting off. There's projects like my co-writer and I have been talking about moving our audio wide for a while. And so we're actually moving forward on that. It's uploaded on find a way already, but I haven't pushed the sale button because I haven't pulled it out of ACX yet, but we're also uploading it direct with book funnel. So that is one of the projects I'm working on right now. And it's a lot of things like that, which are admin heavy, making use of old IP to try and bring more value to it. And as if I I didn't have enough of that, I got really fixated on translations again this week, which I've done several times, but I may actually go to the point of requesting sample translations this time. That would be really nice to have a whole other market to reach. And it does require work, but it doesn't require writing. So it's a different kind of work. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. I definitely, we want to, Abe and I, when we have our project, want to do translation at some point. But yeah, that sounds really fun. How about? It has been a pretty good week. The nerds, are Vela, between uh, myself and Jeff, has actually been doing pretty good, probably because we keep telling people to check it out. But regardless, it seems to be working. And we just released the next episode and we'll be releasing them weekly on Thursdays, which is when we record. So I won't say this every Thursday, I promise. Um, But it is doing really well. And it has been fun getting some feedback on it. Other than that, I've been working on some author service stuff, and it has been going really well. I realize I need to be what's the right word, I need to be more confident in what I can do and offer because I think I would maybe was selling myself short beforehand. Yeah. I think there's a, occasionally this pops up on TikTok for me. It's basically the encouragement to embrace the audacity of a middle-aged white man. And I really need to practice that more. Perfect. Cause I'm reaching that. So I might as well. <laughs> You're like, I'm almost a middle-aged white man. So give me the audacity. Where does that come in the package? Yeah. It's been an interesting, like I would say, few years because I feel like I grasped onto story structure with Jay and Zach really early on. And I just can with like with serial fiction show, picking up on the three C's and stuff is really quick and easy for me. And it's the understanding that some people just need to be shown that or need to be like shown the armature before they click. Cause that's why it worked for me. It was someone showed it to me and I love the three C's. I love armature because I think that they're just such a simple way of approaching story that I just need to be like, 
stop waiting for someone to tell you that it's okay to teach other people this and just start doing it because I think it benefits a lot of people or it could. Yeah. I've been in this realm long enough and not just counting my time as self-publishing. I was, I can't remember if I mentioned last week. No, because I just did this a couple of days ago. I went through all the storage that I had at my ex's parents' house that we'd put there when we moved to Costa Rica in the beginning, very beginning of 2014. So seven and a half years ago. And it was four out of, no, five, five out of nine boxes were books and notebooks. No surprise. (laughs) And what was like all apothecary jars, but I found notebooks in there from when I was 16 that have my 2003 early writing. And so I've been, this has been my fixation since I was a child. Like I remember writing my first play somewhere between the ages of six and nine. Like I have learned Mm -hmm. a lot and a lot of people came to writing later in life. And so I often forget that People have not spent 30 years absorbing everything they could about writing. Some of them have just come in the last 10 years, last two years, and it can be really overwhelming. Part of the difficulty for me is sitting down and saying, okay, a lot, but what is the pertinent information to share with this person at the stage that they are at? Definitely, definitely. And I think that's where, like, for me... The, the three C's and the armature are like such a super basic yeah. for people. Yeah. And like, once you start getting really deep into armature, like my strong opinion about how armature impacts like each scene, then it's, oh, we might be going over some people's heads. But yeah, I totally agree. Like it's the figuring out what level kind of to talk to people at because the last thing you want to do is for it to go over their head because that's you don't want to overwhelm anyone. Yeah. And I want to clarify when I say basic and like base building blocks that if you don't get it quickly, that there's something wrong with you, there's not. It is one of the things that is simple, but not always easy, particularly when you get deeper into it. Like you said, there's, okay, here's the basic level understanding. Cool. Totally get that. And then you apply it to a scene in real life and it's different than what you thought it might look like. So you dig in deeper and you dig in deeper. What does it look like in all Mm -hmm. these different situations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. And it's all about like foundational building blocks, making sure that we have the same language there before we build upon it. Definitely. Totally agree. Speaking of building blocks, I came up with this question for us this week. I came up with a question this week for us to discuss about craft and it's about starting and ending a book, not the act of it, but which is more difficult for you? Um, writing the beginning of a book or ending a book. And those are our basic building blocks of stories, beginning, middle, and end. And I think Mm -hmm. almost everyone agrees that the middle (laughs) is the worst. So we're just taking that out of the equation. And I'm curious because I've had this conversation with several other writers and the answers are varied and the reasons why are varied. So I'm curious for you, which is more difficult starting a story or ending it, like making sure that you have the right start and the right end and why? So I think if I were to tell you 
a few months ago or whatever i don't know when i would probably say that endings were like the most difficult but really i'm starting to see the beginnings are and as i'm starting to focus heavier and heavier on like character dialogue and how like personality and like internal wounds and whatever impact that character's voice i find that the deeper into the writing i get and there's almost for me Yes, there is a level of pre-writing that can get me 75% there for character voice, but it isn't until I'm in the work that I can really start to see how that voice flows and how it looks. And so beginnings for me are more difficult than endings because I almost feel like I don't know who these characters are. And at the same time, you know how... I don't know if anyone has ever had this before, but you know how when you give a presentation and you're not 100% sure you know what that presentation's about until you've started it and you're like, I'm super not confident about what I'm talking about. And then halfway through, you're like, wait, I know my stuff. And then you're like, get more confident in talking. That's how I feel with writing. Because I'm like, yeah, come on, people. You know how I like these characters. You should like these characters. And then by the end of it, I'm like, now I want you to cry. Yeah, I am the same. And it used to be the endings were the most difficult because I could start a story, launch into it 10, 20,000 words later, and then I would peter out because I'm like, oh, I don't know where this is going. I don't know how it's going to end. Endings were difficult. I could start a story, no problem. Once I actually started finishing stories and I had a few endings under my belt and knew what a good ending felt and what a crappy ending felt like, I realized how much of that depends on how you start the story and Mm -hmm. whether it feels satisfying or not, because one of my favorite tools is uh, reflection, that there are pieces at the very end that match pieces at the very beginning and show as like sign points of things that have changed the same or things that have changed. And so you show those elements at the beginning and at the end. And that's in symbolism and things that are said and things that characters do. It can be just about anything can be literally reflected at the beginning and end of a story. Once I got to that point where I'm like, okay, I do know how to write a full story now. Now let me like try and make start off on the right foot, especially with the romance, because I don't go back through and do a deep edit. We write those, we send them Mm -hmm. to an editor for continuity and grammar and clarity and then they get published so i've got to know at the beginning what emotional landing point i want to hit at the end and that makes the beginning a lot harder because i have to know what i need to set up Mm -hmm. totally agree and like i've come to learn that i am not someone who likes 100 percent plotting because I will spend too long plotting and then I'll be like, now I don't want to write this because I feel too constrained to write it. Mm -hmm. So I've found that having a loose outline and then doing whatever I want when I write is working better for the stories that I want to write. But in doing so, the beginnings, I'm always like, "Uh, how do I want to do this? How do I want to approach it? Usually I have a vague idea as to what the armature is when I start and then once I go through it I I can refine that and by vague like the armature is there I have a rough idea that it's about 
something so there's more of a theme and then by the time i read through it i can pull out a stronger armature and then just make sure that is strengthened have i ever thrown the w plot at you have we talked about that? i'm gonna say no but you did and i just don't remember it yeah i mean that's fair i probably mentioned it but i don't think i've really discussed it in depth that plotting style works much better for me than something that is simpler it's something like seven or nine plot points sketched in the shape of a w basically so it's shaped like a w and the low points are the low emotional points and the higher points are the higher emotional points and I find it really useful. I think that might be like a whole episode on its own. So maybe mm -hmm. we can talk about that more next week. But the reason I like something like that a bit more than using something like three story method for the overall story structure is I need a bit more in the way of guide points along the way. I need more of like trail marks than just go 15 miles east and you'll get to your midpoint kind of thing. That makes sense. Yeah, because when I use the, the three-story method and I do the three C's for each act, but then also the obstacles in act two, that gives me 12 guideposts. And then I flesh around them. But then I realize that I'm also just going to write what I want to write. So sometimes that doesn't work out. But that's interesting. I I'll have to check out the W plot and we'll talk about it sometime in the near future because i want to see what that looks like i don't want to distract from this conversation and just be like okay here's the w plot in, in depth uh and just completely mm -hmm. derail us even though i'm very excited to talk about anything craft what other tools do you so i talked about reflection as one of the tools i use for my beginnings and endings what are tools that you use to strengthen your beginnings and endings i so for me, really, it is armature because to me, armature is like the nerdy scientific approach of writing stories. It's your so your like hypothesis. It's the proof you want to make throughout the whole thing. And in the same means that you use reflections is how I define my approach towards uh, armature. Because to me, this thing is your way of looking at a scene and saying, what happens when this armature isn't followed? What happens when you go actively against this armature? What happens when you go towards it and you fulfill it? Well, if, if you were to look at writing as a like analysis of your armature, then each of these scenes would have a response to how they interplay with that armature. So at the beginning, your character is not the full true form of themselves for this armature. Therefore, whatever happens may be a poor reflection of it. It may be bring that armature in a negative light. And then by the end of it, it's going to bring it into a positive light. That's how the character grows is by fulfilling and, and enacting their armature. Yeah, I, I see reflection as a tool to en enhance or support, support's a better word, support the armature. Mm -hmm. And for mm -hmm. any listeners who aren't familiar with armature, you could say theme is another word for it. We picked up the term armature from Brian McDonald from the You Are a Storyteller podcast. And he, he decided to use armature because there are so many differing definitions of theme and people get really confused about what is theme. So he uses the word armature 
instead to define it very specifically. And that is, as JP said, the kind of the scientific way. And that is a sentence, a, a statement that your story then seeks to prove and disprove through its scenes and characters and your hypothesis. And then you are testing it out as some characters can't remember what movie it was that he talked about you got to get busy the armature was like you're either busy living or you're busy dying like something like that Mm -hmm. get busy living or you're busy dying I can't quite remember and so the story starts out with I believe someone taking their own life and and it's a bunch I wish I, I should probably actually watch this movie before I try and talk about it but then a lot of the story is about guys in prison and getting out of prison like figuring out like what living actually is and different characters showing the consequences of not actively living, even if they're not actively dying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, for me, armature is all about it's the sentence as opposed to when I hear theme, generally I get like freedom or love Mm -hmm. or self-sacrifice. And like this one that I just pulled up, if if we're talking about a character's need for freedom, maybe the armature is something along the lines of a future of freedom and autonomy with or for those I love is worth paying for with my future or with my freedom in the present. So what this argues is that an outlook towards freedom in the future is worth paying for that freedoms in the present. And so how does that reflect in your character? Are they willing to do sacrificial things currently in their present situation for an outlook of a, a future where they're free? And so now you can play with that as your theme. What does that mean? What are they willing to do now for something that they get later? Yeah. And what consequences have they faced for n- focusing on the now previously or currently? So one of the talks that we had at the career author summit this one was a virtual one was about skeleton drafting and i ended up using that for a scene that i needed to write for a project that i was working on and the whole idea is just instead of outlining you just do a really rough draft i'm trying to remember who it was who was the person stephanie green was the person that presented on it so i highly recommend you check her out we will link to her course in the notes as well yes yes and ultimately you do a really rough draft and by really rough If you're talking like an 80,000, 100,000 word project, you're doing like a 10,000 to 15,000 word rough draft. And instead of doing the outline points, you're using pieces of your work in this 10 to 15,000. So I basically did that, but for a scene, and it was working out really nicely for me. I noticed that near the end, I was getting stronger dialogue because I was starting to feel the character because I didn't really have them fully set in my mind as I was writing it. They're just a rough idea, but everything that I wrote is then usable to flesh out and make into a longer piece. So I think that I'm going to maybe use that tool at some point in the future. And I think that is a useful way of not having these stop gaps for beginnings and endings. It'll probably be terrible for middles, but for beginnings and endings, it'll at least be a little helpful to get some words written down that can be used in the work. Yeah, I do this for scene work quite a bit, particularly 
when I am dictating, because when I'm dictating, it's really hard for me to figure out like what happens next on the fly. So if I'm dictating, I will sit down and I will write up a page or two for an entire chapter and it'll have some bits of dialogue. It's just really random and ugly. And then I will dictate over it. Sometimes I do it when I'm writing. I've never done it for a full draft before. And I am interested in that for sure also intimidate because my brain has gotten into that one draft mindset so deeply. And this actually might be like a really good way to break it out. The versus like just making it sharply go into you absolutely will need a very intense second draft. And that might be a good way to knock my brain into a different track. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I think for you and I, maybe it's just for me, but (laughs) I think I like looking at other processes and trying them out because I don't know if I like having one process that I stick with. And I don't know why, but I feel like part of it is this like desire to consistently learn, figure things out, figure out how other people do things. And that's the part that interests me. So I feel like there for me, writing is all about learning the process and learning it through the means of other people. So I don't know if I'll ever have one single process and I'm okay with that because I think that's the fun part for me. Yeah. I'm constantly torn a few months ago in our planning with a year with tarot episodes. Like I was very much complaining like that I'm not a robot and I can't do things. Like I want to do things the same way all the time and not have it deviate, but I can't one because we're human and that's just not how it works. But two, also I, I am always looking to make things better and it's just this constant war with me. Like, I'm like, but this way works. And I know how this way works and I want to do it this way. And then my brain's, but new shiny way, why not try? And, and I I love learning. I'm like my, if we're talking about, I'm going to, I'm going to dip into some Clifton strengths here. My number one is learning. So I always learn anything. It doesn't matter. I'm going to learn basically everything. Um, except like maybe what Trump's doing, but then I'm also in my top 10, I have what's called a maximizer and an, and an arranger and an arranger likes constantly moving things around the, the thread that these two have maximizer likes everything to be the best. And so that means like connecting with people who are the best at what they do. And that means like trying to be the best for yourself and arranger likes arranging things so that they are maximum efficiency or flow or whatever, like just moving things around to make it better. So all that combined means that I will never have one process. And sometimes that infuriates me and sometimes I'm okay with that. Yeah. And like, I don't know where learning is in my Clifton strengths, but I know that like I'm input ideation and futurist. So like, I'm constantly just like, and I firmly believe that I do these things, but I'm like constantly thinking of new processes, new ways and trying to pick apart every little thing. So I think that learning and those other three really lead to just like this insane amount of needing to pick things apart and try new things. Um, your learning's number eight. Is it? Your learner's yeah. number eight. Thank Not you that for I have having a, a stalker file list. or anything. 
You totally do. And I appreciate it because I'm <laughs> literally scrolling. I don't know where I put it. friend who is also very similar to me in some ways put together a spreadsheet that she shared with me that I've just been able to dump everybody who ever gives me their strengths info in so I can reference it at will. It's weird because if you told me that was for Myers-Briggs, it'd be like, eh, whatever. But like Clifton Strengths is oddly dead on. And it makes right? me uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> I but... remember talking with with a friend. We all got into Clifton Strengths at the same time, and they told me their top five. And I was like, "Oh, you're like this." And we were new friends at the time. And she and they were like, "That's creepy." And I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> how do you know that much? I'm like, "Well, you just told me that. That's what you just told me." Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you yeah. told me what your strengths were. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's very interesting because usually like when someone runs into an issue and you're the opposite of them, like I'd mentioned before, the the person I helped out, they didn't have ideation and input as their top and they were struggling with something, with basically coming up with an answer to a problem that they, they wrote themselves into. And you sit me in a room with them for an hour and I'll be vomiting ideas until something hooks and then they're off to the races because they now have an answer that they needed but mm-hmm. like by no means does that mean there's any level that's better than the other because like I don't have the skills that she has so I reach out to her when I need those <laughs> indeed well we strayed a bit from our talk about we did <laughs> beginnings and endings but it's okay it's all about the writing but do you have a question of mind to ask our listeners what's difficult for you beginnings or endings has that changed as you've learned certain crafts has anything helped you uh overcome that you know yeah and i and i will be interested and it's so funny how sometimes you and i are almost too scarily similar because i was not expecting our answers to be so similar Mm-hmm. Same. It's weird. I don't like it. <laughs> okay, friends. We will be recording our next book club before you hear this episode. And we have not yet decided on our next book. So if you would like to have input on future book club choices you can check out our patreon where we have monthly reviews and plannings for our business based on our yearly tarot poll and voting on the next book access to the live stream for the book club and hopefully soon because jp needs to give me a deadline our our writing with tarot short stories (laughs) yes yes do you want me to give you a deadline on air because i will yeah just don't make it don't make it like the end of this month because of witches (laughs) okay november 30th end of the month next month okay end of the month tuesday it's a tuesday okay i could make it the second so that not the second of november second of december so that when we're recording i can be like hey did you get this in now nah, make it the 30th and then I'll rush and do it on the first when I have to, before I have to report to you on the second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the writer way. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> See you later.
Are you ready? Yes. Do I need, do you want, <laughs> this is going to be a good one. <laughs> have you ever had a, have a, had a, had a dream? 